The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. We're in the middle of a series right now that we've entitled Shattered and uh, Surviving in a Broken World. And uh, our theme verse here for this particular passage has been John chapter number 16, verse number 33, where Jesus declares, These things have I spoken unto you, notice this next phrase, that in me you might have peace. He goes on to say, In the world you shall have tribulation, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so we're going to continue with this theme. I know it's a little bit different being Mother's Day. Um, but throughout this series, we are looking at how Christ deals with trials. How did Jesus Christ, when he was incarnate here on this earth, how did he engage trials? How did he go through problems? How did he deal with these things in his life? And, and we're going to continue with that series, that study here, even this morning. Uh, on our way to church today, uh, my son, we were driving over here, and he said, I really got to get something for for mom uh, for Mother's Day. And uh, as you can notice, he, he waited till the ninth hour, you know, 11th hour, I guess you could say. It must take after his dad or something. I don't know all that's going on there. Uh, but we were passing by, you know, all these people right now selling these flowers here on the side of the road. And uh, I said, hey, do you want to get your mom some flowers? And uh, Landon, our little four-year-old, said, if you do that, mom will probably kiss you, you know. And that's what she does when dad gives her flowers. And uh, aren't just, just thankful for kids. And I, I hope many of us are just looking forward to a wonderful day here uh, as we have have some opportunities just to enjoy it with family. How many of you moms, anybody got chocolate yet today? Any moms out here got some chocolate? One or two of you got some chocolate? I heard about a mom who was asked how many calories were in a piece of chocolate. Her answer was, who cares? And and that's always the right answer, all right? It doesn't matter who cares. Uh, It's chocolate. And uh, we really do hope that you have a wonderful Mother's Day and we're looking forward to our time here together today. Galatians chapter number 2 verse 20 makes an interesting statement where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ liveth in me. And this is really the theme of this entire series is what does it look like when Christ is living through me? In the midst of my trials. What does it look like when Christ is living through me in the midst of my problems? What does it look like when Christ is living through me in the midst of my pain? Because the reality is when God's grace is working in us and God's grace is working through us, it looks very similar. It looks a lot like the way Jesus looked when he was going through pain, when he was going through difficulty. Leading up to the Gospel of John chapter number 19, we're going to read our text here in just a moment. But before we get there, I want to give you a little, be- a little bit of background. We want to take some time just to kind of get you up to speed. Jesus literally has finished. He's coming to the end of his earthly ministry. And now he has been literally betrayed by Judas. He is going to the cross. He has been tortured. He has been declared a blasphemer. And now he hangs on the cross. His blood dripping from his hands and his feet. The Bible declares that he's hardly recognizable as a man. He had literally, uh, his countenance, it didn't even look like a human being. He had been beaten up so bad. And here Jesus, in the middle of his pain, here is Jesus in the, in the middle of his suffering. And we're going to see Jesus do something very, very interesting. We might even say thoughtful in the midst of his pain. 
Inside your service program, you'll find an outline that you can use to follow along here through the Bible study this morning. I hope it'll be a help to you as we study God's Word. As you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand out of respect for God's Word here as we take the time to read our portion of Scripture here today. In John chapter number 19, and, and here's what Jesus does. He's hanging on the cross. He's suffering. He's in pain. And we come to verse number 25, and, and here's what Jesus says. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved. All right, four times in the Gospel of John that phrase is given uh, to the Apostle John. And so we know here that this is speaking of the Apostle John. He said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Speaking of John. Then said he to the disciple, John, Behold thy mother. Notice this. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. This morning I want to speak on the subject of literally selflessness in the midst of suffering. Here Jesus is hanging on the cross. Here Jesus is literally suffering. Jesus is in pain. But rather than thinking about his own difficulties, rather than focusing on his own anguish, Jesus does something very thoughtful. He does something very selfless. And in his final hours, he literally looks down. He sees his mother and he makes arrangements for her to be taken care of for the rest of of her life. And this morning I want to speak on this subject of selflessness in the midst of suffering. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the mothers that are here today. I pray that you'd bless each and every one of them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for how you've used them in our lives, Lord, to mature us into the individuals that you would have for us to be and how you've used them as conduits of your grace towards us. Lord, I pray for those mothers here today who have a broken heart and maybe motherhood didn't turn out, Lord, the way they had anticipated. I pray that today you would bring them hope and comfort. Lord, I pray for those who would have been mothers, Lord, but in your sovereign plan, Lord, you never allowed it. I pray that this would be a time of comfort, Lord, for them and I pray it would be a a moment of hope as we take time just to dive into your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. People who don't allow God's grace to work in them and through them in seasons of suffering, that is, if there are individuals and they don't appropriate God's grace, they don't surrender to allowing Christ to live in and through their lives, these types of people often become, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their sorrows, often deform into very angry, they deform into very bitter, they deform into very miserable people. You see, problems will attempt to keep you in bondage to misery. 
misery. Pain will attempt to keep you in bondage to misery. Trials and troubles will try to keep you in bondage to pain and in misery. But the reality is this, when Christ lives in us and we allow God's grace and His strength to live His life through us, the Bible declares that you can literally transcend your troubles. In literally in a miraculous way, you can literally get to the point where you are enriching the lives of others in the midst of your own pain. And that's the example that we see played out in the life of Jesus Christ. There is a thinking, well, I can bless other people. I can be thoughtful of others. I can think of others when everything's going right for me. And yet the example that we're going to find in the person of Jesus Christ is the reality that even when he was suffering, even when he was in the midst of betrayal, even when he was in the midst of sorrow, even when he was in the midst of pain, he was able to demonstrate selflessness. He was able to demonstrate here graciousness and thoughtfulness towards those around him. One of the ways you know whether the grace of God and the strength of God is working in and through your life is how you respond when things aren't going your way. It's an easy thing to look at somebody, and I, as a pastor, it's easy to look and tell if somebody is appropriating the grace of God. It's hard to tell when things are going good. It's very easy to tell when things are going bad and not going the way people would like because their whole demeanor changes. Their whole spirit closes down. There's no longer any grace. There's no longer any patience. They just, they just clam up. And it's one, of the, it's one of the ways you can get a pulse on whether or not the grace of God is being appropriated in lives. It's one of the ways you can tell whether or not you've truly been appropriating the grace of God and the strength of God in your own life. If everything changes for you when things go wrong, it might be a mark, it might be a sign that you're not appropriating the grace of God on a daily basis, that you're not experiencing Christ through you. If, if you can only kind of be in a good mood and bless others and be gracious and selfless when everything is going right, but when things start to go wrong and all of a sudden you're suffering and like Jesus, you find yourself in moments of betrayal and things aren't turning out the way you would like and all of a sudden in those moments you kind of clam up and all of a sudden you're not who you used to be. It might be a mark. It might be an indication. It might be a sign that you desperately need to get in touch with what it means to truly experience the grace and strength of God in your life because what you might have might be a counterfeit what you might be doing is playing the game because when the grace of God is at work and when we're appropriating God's strength and it's truly Christ living through us we're able to be thoughtful and selfless and loving and compassionate even in our darkest hours see when Christ is living through us this is what it looks like. This morning, we're going to discover one of the greatest marks, one of the greatest indications of an individual who is truly experiencing God's strength in the midst of their hard times. You say, how do I know if I'm experiencing truly God's grace? How do I know my heart? The Bible says my heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. How do I know if it's truly Christ living through me? How do I know? it's truly God's grace and His strength doing something through me. You know by how you deal with the hard times, how you deal with the disappointments, how you deal when things aren't going the way you thought they should go. And through this story, you're going to see, here's how Jesus dealt with it. This is how Jesus engaged it. And ask yourself this question. 
Does my life reflect what I see in the life of Jesus Christ as he's going through suffering? And we're going to see an example in Luke 23 of how we tend to naturally respond when things aren't going our way. In the Gospel of Luke chapter number 23, Jesus is hanging on the cross and the Bible says that there are two criminals on either side of him. His mother is there at the base of the cross. We just read that a moment ago. He's got a criminal on one side and he's got a criminal on the other. And this one criminal, as he's hanging there on the cross, looks over at Jesus and he starts getting a little bit, you can almost tell, agile and irritated and he says this to Jesus he says if thou be the Christ save us how many of you familiar with this story so here's the criminal on the cross and he leans over at Jesus and he says if you are who you say you are if you are who you claim to be save us so here's this criminal and you see how he responds There in that moment of his suffering, in that moment of his pain, in that moment where he's going through anguish, he's going through trial, here's how the criminal gets. The criminal gets very self-focused. He becomes very selfish. This is what naturally happens during hard times. We tend to become very self-centered, which leads us to the first hint that we may not be allowing Christ to live his life through us in the midst of our pain. And that is this. There exist demonstrations of self-centeredness. If you find that in the middle of your trial, if you find that in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your pain, that you become very self-centered, you look at Christ and say, Save me! Take care of me! Don't you see I've got problems? I've got things I'm going through. I fix it! If you find that that's your first knee-jerk reaction, it might be a mark that the grace of God is not fully demonstrating itself through you. Let me ask you this question. Do you tend to get extremely self-centered during your trials? Does it become all about you? Does it become about your preferences? Does it become about your trials? Does it become about what you want and what you desire? And it doesn't doesn't matter what a husband thinks and it doesn't matter what a family thinks and it doesn't matter what a spouse thinks and it, it doesn't matter what somebody else is going through because you're going through it and you want everybody to know and you begin to get very self centered in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that sorrow and it all has to, the world literally has to revolve around you. That might be a mark that you're not walking in the Spirit. That God's grace is not driving your life forward. That, that really, you're, when things were good, it was just you kind of going through the motions and now things got bad. And like that tea bag that got dropped in the hot water, it revealed what was truly in your heart. See, this criminal, his first reaction was me. His first reaction was, save us. It was very self-centered. It was very selfish. You see, when we're going through trials, it's natural. And many times, often, we become self-focused. I know as I'm going through trials, sometimes I can become very selfish. We start to become self-absorbed. We can even take on an entitlement mentality. And we're going through these pains. And we're going through these difficulties. And all we can think about is, poor me. (laughs) 
I have to deal with. Look what I'm going through. That's why it blows me away sometimes when I'll interact with a Christian and they truly are going through a difficult time. They're going through a trial and nobody would doubt it. And yet there is such a serenity about their soul. They don't, they're not all clammed up. They're not all shut down. They're not bitter and miserable. Though they're experiencing it, whether it be relational pain or financial pain or maybe emotional pain or even physical pain, there's a grace that they continue to manifest even in the midst of their suffering. That is an indication. That is a mark of a true Christian that is allowing Christ to live his life through them. Because when Christ is living his life through you, you say, what does it look like? It looks like Jesus. If Jesus is being allowed to live his life through you, even in your suffering, you're going to look like Jesus. Even in my suffering, I'm going to look like Jesus. And here one of the indications we find is we see the criminal becoming very self-focused. Philippians chapter number 2 verse 4, I think we have this on the screens. The Bible declares, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. When you're going through pain and you're going through difficulty and you're going through your trials, does it become all about your preferences? And does it become all about what you want? And does it become all about what you need? Or is there a grace that liberates you from being self-focused and self-motivated and self-driven have you been liberated by God's grace have you been liberated by God's strength to literally put yourself in other people's shoes to be selfless to be gracious look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others I I remember my daughter I have a daughter here eight years old and I remember when she was a three year old she just got a brand new little brother Anderson and and, and up until that point she was an only child and so as you can understand as an only child she got her way a lot anything she wanted she could have I mean uh, I wasn't wrestling the toys out of her hands to play with them and I remember on one occasion she was playing with something and uh, her brother wanted it and they got into this little squabble about whether whose toy it was and who was going to get to the play with it. And finally, I looked over at Ashlyn and I said something along the lines of Ashlyn. I said, you need to learn to share. Be thoughtful in these moments. And she very politely looked at me and she said, Daddy, I do want to share. I just want to share with me. (laughs) How many of you have been there before? Man, you just, we become very self We don't have to be trained as a child to be self-focused, to be self-centered. It's natural, and it seems to be exaggerated when we're going through seasons of pain, when we're going through seasons of suffering, when we're going through difficult times. It seems like in those moments we become more self-centered and more self-focused, and yet when Christ is allowed to live his life through us, When we're surrendering to his grace working in and through us, we stop becoming self-centered. We stop becoming self-focused. We stop looking at our preferences and our desires and what we want. And we stop yelling at Jesus, fix this. And we come in with a spirit of surrender that literally just is humble before God's providence and before God's sovereignty. How do you respond when it comes to difficult seasons, 
When we are not allowing Christ to live his life through us in the midst of our pain, we easily become self-centered. I have seen people in the middle of their trials make some horrible decisions. Awful decisions. Because in those moments of pain and suffering, they become highly self-centered and self-focused. And so they literally make massive decisions about this thing and that thing that is motivated not by the leading of God's Spirit, not by God's Word, but by their own selfish desires, by their own preferences, by their own wants, rather than being led by the very Spirit of God. My friend, God's grace empowers us to serve during our trials rather than become selfish during our trials. You say, well, if I'm serving others and I'm there helping others, who's going to take care of me? Can I declare to you that Christ will take care of you? He will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be there for you. As you surrender to being an instrument of his grace toward others, the grace that flows through you toward others will heal you in the process. We see it's easy to become self-centered. But let's move on to our next thought. Notice verse number 26 of our text. We saw how the criminal responded. He responded with a spirit of literal selfishness, self-focus, self-centeredness. But notice what happens in verse 26. As Jesus is going through this pain, as he's going through the suffering, as he's going through these trials, notice in verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, we know by context that's the apostle John, He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said to the disciple, John, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Now, before we really unpack this thought practically, I want to give you a little background because I want you to understand the historical context of what's happening here. In, In this day and age, there in those times, it was the responsibility of the oldest son to take care of a widowed mother. That was just the cultural response. That was the right thing to do. And I think that's a pretty good thing. I'm thankful for many of you who are taking care of your uh, parents. And and that looks different for different people. But I want to say this. For a parent who has poured themselves into our lives when they get up in older years, it should be our desire to want to serve them in those moments and in that season. That's a noble thing to do. It's an honorable thing to do. And that's what's happening here. Um, we see here that it was probable, even though the Bible doesn't ex- you know, exactly indicate, but it seems here that Mary's husband, Joseph, had died sometime before the crucifixion. So we know from Luke chapter number 2 and verses number 41 that Joseph was there when Jesus was the age 12 years old. But sometime between the age of 12 years old and the age of 33, it seems, it seems that Joseph has passed away and Joseph Joseph has died and now it has become Jesus' responsibility to take care of his mother. Some people have asked, why did not Jesus give that responsibility to his brother James? As many of you know, Mary, Jesus' mother, had more children after Jesus. 
I know there's some religious traditions that espouse that Mary was a perpetual virgin, but that is not declared in the Word of God. Though Jesus Christ was born a virgin's birth, Mary did have children after Jesus. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. And so we see one of these children was a man by the name of James. In fact, James was the author. He penned one of the books in the New Testament. And so some people have wondered, why did not Jesus, as he hung on the cross, give the responsibility to a family member, James? Why did he give this responsibility to somebody who was not family? The apostle John wasn't family. Why did he do this? And I I honestly believe as you study the text that the answer to this question is really lies in, in a logical conclusion that though we don't know exactly how many children Mary had and there after Jesus, but we do know there were several. He had many half siblings. And so here what we find the answer to that question is when we come to John chapter number seven, if you want to look it up later, John chapter number seven and verse number five, you're gonna find where the Bible declares that his brothers did not believe in him. You say, what? Jesus' siblings at the time of John 7 had not put their faith in Jesus Christ. His own siblings, his own own half-brothers did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, it isn't until you get to 1 Corinthians and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 where the Bible is explaining how Jesus was seen after the resurrection. And the Bible says he was seen of many in the disciples. And in that list, the Bible specifically makes mention that Jesus showed himself to his brother James. You know what I believe? I believe it was in 1 Corinthians 15 in that moment where Jesus had died He had resurrected from the grave. He had shown himself to the disciples. He had shown himself to the multitude. He was revealing himself to be the risen Messiah. That he makes it a point to reveal himself to his sibling James. I believe it is at that moment when James comes to realize this is more than just big brother. This is the Messiah. The one who rose from the dead. We do know at some point he accepts Christ as a Savior. He goes on to write the book of James. But as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, at that moment there is no biblical indication that his family, his brothers at this point, had accepted Christ as their personal Savior, that they had put their trust in the Messiah. And I think from a logical perspective, it's very interesting to me that Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross chooses rather to give responsibility of his mother to a good friend, the Apostle John, rather than to James. And and, and think about this. I think Jesus was most concerned about Mary's spiritual well-being. Obviously, John had been traveling with Jesus now for three years. He he had not worked what you might consider a regular job for three years. He probably didn't have the money at this point that James had just from working. James was a blood relative and yet Jesus chose there to give responsibility of his his mother 
to John. And I think, that, I think the reminder for us is that Jesus put a quintessential value on the spiritual health of her family, even above their financial health and even above family ties. Jesus felt it was more important for Mary to be with John because of where he was spiritually than even to give responsibility to James, his own flesh and blood. And I think the application for many of us here today is simply this. I think when we have to make choices with our own families, when we have to make choices with our own children, sometimes those choices are going to be driven by financial pushes and they're going to be driven by this. And can I just say this? Would you please allow the spiritual nature to be a driving force in the decisions that you make? And when you need to make decisions for your family, and when you need to make decisions for the ones you love, though finances are going to come into it, and though relationship is going to come into it, that you would be the type of individual who say, first and foremost, their spiritual health is going to be the driving force of what allows me to make the decisions that I make. And so here we see Jesus hung on the cross, and he gives responsibility here to John. So how did Jesus respond when he was in the midst of this pain? Understand in this moment he's got nails through his hand. His back has been bleeding. He's hardly recognizable as a human being. He is suffering. He is in pain. And yet in that moment he has the wherewithal, the thoughtfulness, the graciousness to think about his responsibility toward others. It was not about what he could get. It wasn't about what people could do for him. It was making sure he had taken care of his responsibilities, even up to his dying moment, which here leads us and reminds us of an important indication that we are really allowing Christ to live his life through us in the midst of our pain. You say, how do I know if Christ is living his life, if the Spirit of God is living his life through me when I'm going through pain and I'm going through suffering and I'm going through trials? How do I know whether or not that's happening? Here's one of the indications. Here's one of the marks. This is one of the ways that you can discern what's actually happening in your heart. And that is there exists many expressions of selflessness. There exists expressions of selflessness. One of the ways you know, one of the ways you can discern your own heart. Remember what the Bible says, the heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? We as human beings are very, very, very good at self-deception. I am good at self-deception. How many of you, you're able to convince yourself of anything? Most of us are like that. And so we need to allow the Word of God to be the discerning, the deciding factor on how we engage the world around us. And one of the ways we can discern whether or not the Spirit of God is living His life through us, whether God's grace is being appropriated in and through our lives, is how we endure suffering, how we go through trials. Do we go through trials very self-centeredly, selfishly, there for me and getting upset and irritated or do we go through those trials like Christ did because when we're going through them like Christ did it's a good sign that it's Christ that's doing it 
For in me, that is in my flesh, the Bible says, dwelleth no good thing. And one of the indications, one of the marks that Christ's Spirit is working through us is there are regular expressions of selflessness. So here's my question. Maybe you're right now going through a trial. Maybe right this moment you're going through a difficulty. Maybe right this moment you're going through a season of pain. And I hope you understand my spirit in this. My heart is not to make light of your pain. I'm not trying to belittle the trial you're going through. My heart is not to say, well, suck it up. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is I know it's hard. And I know it's difficult. And that's why you need God's grace. That's why you need God's strength. That's why you need something more real and more genuine and more authentic than just a little bit more willpower and a little bit more drive and a little bit more pulling myself up by the bootstraps. That might get you up a foot or two. But what you really need is the grace and the strength of God doing through you what honestly you can't do on your own. You need Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not making light of your pain. I'm not trying to belittle your trial. I'm not trying to say, well, you're good for nothing. That's not my point. My point is to simply say, yes, you are going through a pain and you are going through a trial. And what you need is God's grace. What you need is God's strength. What you need is his help and his support. And running from the problem is not the answer. The answer is to bow yourself before the throne of grace and say, God, this reveals to my heart that I desperately need more that I can offer myself. And rather than becoming self-centered and self-focused and allow your preferences and allow your desires to drive what you do next, say, there are going to be expressions of selflessness. Like Christ, I'm going to die to my preferences. I'm going to die to my wishes. I'm going to die And I'm going to allow Christ to heal me from the inside out. And in doing so, be able to enrich others along the way. Galatians chapter number 6 verse 2 says it this way. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, that there would be expressions of selflessness. I I remember... I. Those of you who know my mother, my mother is one of the most godly women that I've ever met in my entire life. I love my mom. She taught me so much. I'm looking forward to getting to see her later on this week and just an incredible spirit-filled individual. And I, I love the opportunities we have to talk. And literally to this day, she is one of my biggest counselors. Anytime we're doing it, just kind of, I'll go to my mom, I'll talk to her about this, and what do you think about that, and these type of things, and, and just, just incredibly wise. And I remember as a teenager, I'd be going through some rough times and going through a bad, she could just sense it, you know, I'm 17, 16, 17 years old, and you could just tell I'm in a bad mood and things aren't going my way. And uh, literally, on more than one occasion, my mom used to come to me, and she used to say, you know what you, you, know what you need to do right now? She, she said, you need to go out and try to find someone to serve and someone to be a blessing to. <laughs> I remember thinking to my mom, Mom, you're crazy. Somebody needs to be a blessing to me right now. I'm the one who needs to be served. Don't you see what I'm going through? And yet there was an incredible wisdom there to recognize that in our seasons of pain, 
in our seasons of suffering, rather than turn inward and look at what I want, what I need, and my preferences, to turn myself outward, to die to myself, to die to what I want, serve others, allow Christ to live his life through me, to be selfless, and there be expressions of selflessness through me, and in doing so, serve others. Uh, When I was a kid... We used to uh, sing a song in Sunday school. It was called J-O-Y. I don't know if it was. It went something along the lines of Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And it spelled joy, you know. And it was a little song, a little diddly that we sang. And, and, and one of the nuggets of wisdom in that song was the fact that true joy is found not when I put myself first. That true joy is when I allow Christ to be first. I serve others And it's amazing how God then fills my heart with joy, with peace, and serenity. Not by driving for what I want. Not by being self-centered and pushing my will. But surrendering my will to the Father. Serving others. And let Christ's joy then fill my heart. Um, I'm going to throw this up on the screens because I really need us to think about this for a moment. And and I hope if you kind of, I think this is important. Up until the 20th century, traditional cultures always believed that too, that too high a view of yourself was the root cause of all evil in the world. And it was pretty traditional as you read historical, you know, kind of sociology and stuff. Our belief today is really the opposite. It's that people misbehave for lack of self-esteem and because they have too low a view of themselves. And so cultures really changed over the last hundred years. However, neither high esteem or low esteem are legitimate. The goal, rather, is not to esteem ourselves at all. This is what Jesus said. The Bible says Jesus made himself of no reputation. And so there were cultures that said, oh, man, when you think too high of yourself, that's going to cause all the damage. And now it's like, no, if you think too low of yourself, that's what causes all the damage. And I'm going to say both of these extremes are dangerous because there are people on this hand, they think too low of themselves. I can't do nothing. There's nothing I can do. They're still self-absorbed. They're self-absorbed about their weaknesses. They're self-absorbed absorbed with their, you know, kind of problems. They're self-absorbed with them. It's just a negative version of them. On the other side, we get people who are very, I got high self-esteem, and they become proud and arrogant and self-centered. Can I just say this? According to the Bible, it's about no esteem. It's about esteeming Him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To be like Jesus is to make yourself of no reputation, to stop focusing on yourself, the good, the bad, and focus your mind and heart on Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone. That, my friend, is what creates a healthy individual. Is to stand back and to say, my heart is fixed on thee. Because we have people in this room right now, and you're obsessed with what you're not good at. I can't do this. And I'm so humble because I'm not like that. And it's kind of a pseudo-humility. But it's still self-absorbed. You're still self-centered and self-focused. And then on the other hand, (laughs) high self-esteem. I feel great about myself. Can I just say this? True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking more of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself at all. It's coming to a place where you can transcend the focus of self. 
and focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on others and not get consumed with me. And some of us have not been liberated from that yet. We swing from side to side. From thinking of ourselves too lowly to thinking of ourselves too highly. And then we, ah, I gotta, and then we think too lowly and too high. Can I just say this? Here's the secret. Do what Jesus, allow Christ to live through you. And when he's living through you, you'll make yourself of no reputation. It's not about you anymore. It's all about him. And what's all about him plays off and now you're free to serve others. Some of you, you have not been liberated to serve others for years. We're so self-centered. We are so self-focused. We are in bondage to selfishness. And I'm here to say today, by God's word, you could be set free from that. You don't have to live shackled to selfishness anymore. You can be free from your self-centeredness. You can be free from your selfishness. You can be free by the power of Jesus Christ to selflessly serve the Lord Jesus Christ and his people around you. I don't know. Do we have the next slide up there, guys? The problem that we often go through is that we judge ourselves in the courts of other people's opinions or our own self-evaluation rather than resting in the verdict of not guilty declared in God's courtroom through the work of Jesus Christ and resting in the gospel produces true self-forgetfulness. When you come to the place and you recognize who I am is because of what Jesus Christ declares, who he declares me to be not guilty in his courtroom and it frees you from self-focus. It frees you from self-centeredness. It frees you from having to obsess about your pains or your problems or your strengths, you're free from that to focus on Jesus. To allow his life to live through you. And in the process, can I say this? You'll be taken care of. We must learn the freedom of self-forgetfulness so we can serve others even in the midst of our pain. One of the reasons that we struggle with allowing God's grace and God's strength to live through us in our seasons of trials is because we're still self-absorbed. Rather than being Christ-absorbed. Rather than allowing his word to saturate our heart, mind, and soul, we're we're obsessed with self. We have not learned the spiritual discipline of self-forgetfulness. And we swing from one extreme to the other extreme rather than just saying like Jesus, I'm going to make myself of no reputation. It's not about me one or me on the other. It's all about him. Now, as we conclude here today, we see the example of the criminal was one of self-centeredness. But when Christ is truly living his life through our lives and, and when we're going through a trial and a difficulty and a pain, when we respond like Christ, one of the indications, one of the ways we know whether or not it's truly Christ, his grace and his strength working through us is that there are expressions of selflessness. So can I ask you this question? In the midst of the pains that you're going through right now, are there noticeable expressions of selflessness and service? toward those around you. It's a good mark of whether or not it truly is God's grace and his strength working through you. Or do you find that you can serve others and you can be selfless when everything's going good for you, but the moment things aren't going good for you, when the business is not quite what you want it to be and it doesn't seem like the finances are coming together or work's just a little too stressful or the kids are acting up or they're not doing this the way you would want or that the way you want and all of a sudden in those moments it becomes very hard to be selfless. It becomes very hard to be serving. It might be an indication that it is not the spirit of God that's driving 
but rather than just your own strength. Rather just what you can muster up in the flesh. Here, here's, here's the takeaway, and I, I want to say this. When, when we fail in this area, and I fail often in this area, I'm going through a difficult time, I'm going through a stressful time, and it, it's very easy for me to become self-centered and self-focused and wanting others to kind of, I, I know that. And I, I'm sure if we were to be honest, many of us have been there before as well. Can I say, when we fail in this area, can I just declare to you, praise God for his mercies. They're new every morning. And when you fail, God's mercy is fresh and it's new and it's there. But it should also be a trigger. It should be a reminder in those moments when we do fail that we desperately need God's grace and his strength afresh and anew again that day. Rather than just saying, ah, praise God for his mercy, I guess I can go. No, allow that to be a psychological trigger that reminds you, I need God's grace. I need God's strength. The fresh and new. Praise God for his mercy. Praise God for his forgiveness. And it's new every day. And if you failed, if you walked into this room failing in this area, I want to declare to you, you're forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then His blood has been laid down on your account and there's no condemnation. There is mercy. There's forgiveness. But it should be a reminder to you that God is something more for you. It's called grace. The strength to transcend that misery. The strength to transcend your pain. The strength to transcend your problems. That is what the grace of God can empower in your life. When Christ is living through us, there are expressions of selflessness all around us. How, how are we doing? How are we doing? God's grace empowers us to serve during our trials rather than become selfish. So let me ask you as we're done. What does suffering reveal to you? What has what your season of suffering revealed about who you really are and what you most desperately need right now? It might be for some of us, our suffering reveals that we're very self-centered. Our pain reveals to us, man, that we're, we're selfish. And we should allow that to remind us of how desperately we need to appropriate the grace of God afresh and anew today. To allow his strength to live his life through us. How do we know if it's truly Christ living through me or me just living out of my own strength? This is an indication. How do you respond in seasons of suffering? Do you close up and become self-centered? Or does your spirit open up and you're free to serve and liberated to help? And pour out grace on spouses and children and church members and loved ones. What does your suffering reveal about what's deep down in your heart? Remember the illustration we used last week. Hot water does not create what's inside the tea bag. It simply exposes it. And the hot water, the trials that you're going through do not create the bad responses. It did not create the anger. It didn't create the frustration. It didn't create the anxiety. It didn't create it. It just exposed what was already there. And that 
what it exposes should show you that you need more of God's grace. You say, no, I need a different situation. I need my circumstances changed. I need this to be different. Maybe what God's saying is, you know what? What you actually need is me to do a, a brand new work in your heart. And rather than change your circumstances, maybe you need to allow me to change your spirit. And allow him to do the work that only he can do. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would be a people who allow your spirit to do through us what only you can do. We don't want to just go through the motions of working on our own, but Lord, really, that we would be a people who allow you to work in your way. I pray that you'd bless, Lord, this season of prayer and reflection here. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, Pastor, honestly... I'm going through a difficult season and and my heart is to allow Christ to live out through me in this time. That, That sincerely, honestly is my desire. But I know I'm in need of more of God's grace. I know I need to appropriate more of his strength in this time. And you say, would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand? I'm not gonna embarrass you. I won't point you out. I see hands all over the auditorium, literally all over. I want to pray with you on this. My heart is not to take lightly the trials or the pains that we're going through, but rather to say, are these pains trying to show us something about who we truly are? Maybe there's somebody here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've never put your trust in Him and Him alone to save your soul. You didn't know that you could have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you heard when I mentioned a moment ago that those who are in Christ, they're forgiven. They're liberated. They're free. And you say, I don't know that freedom. I don't know that liberation that's made possible in Christ. I won't point you out and I won't embarrass you, but is there anybody in this room who would say, You know, pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know that I have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If I were to die today, I'm not 100% sure heaven would be my home. I didn't know that it was even possible. I didn't know it was possible to have that type of relationship with God through Jesus. I'd love to know what it's like to be forgiven, to have his mercy laid down upon my account. Is anybody like that? You say, that would be me. I won't point you out. I won't embarrass you. I won't call out your name. But I'd love to just pray with you real quick. Would you just lift up your hand? You say, that's me today. I'm not sure. Not sure. Heaven be my I see that hand. You may put that hand down. I say, I don't want to embarrass you. But I, I want to pray with you on this one. Anybody else? I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. But I just want to pray with you. Anybody else? You say, that's me today. In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation song. I'll be here at the front. If you'd like to pray here at the front, feel free to do that. If you'd like to pray there in your seat about the trial you're going through and give that to God, feel free to do that. We're just going to take some time for some prayer. We're going to take some time for some reflection. However the Spirit of God leads, you respond. If, If you were one of these who raised their hand and you said, I don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, I'll be right here on the front. You can come down and I'd love just to pray with you quickly. However the Spirit of God would lead you, I want you to feel free to to respond. We'll have a word of prayer. 
When I'm done praying, let's take some time for some prayer, some reflection. And then we'll have the group come and and they'll sing. Whenever you're done, feel free to, to join in singing with them. God's been good. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray that we would be a people, Lord, who would truly honor you, Lord, not just in the good times, but Lord, would we be a people who are surrendered to you in our suffering, surrendered to you in our trials, surrendered to you in our difficulties, God. And would we be able to say, even in those hard times, that God's been good. Even when life's difficult, Lord, would we be able to declare your goodness and declare your greatness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you to stand. However the Spirit of God leads you, you respond. If you want to pray in your seat, feel free to do that. If you want to come, heads bowed, eyes are closed. Whenever you're finished, feel free to join in.
feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. Though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, cause through it all, God's in share of hard times I wouldn't change them if I could cause through it all God's been good God's been good I'm going to invite our ushers to make their way toward the front as we have the opportunity of giving back in our tithes and offerings to the Lord here this morning. And God truly has been good. And uh, here's one way we can just really show the Lord how thankful we are for His goodness. If you're visiting with us today, we did not invite you here so you feel obligated to give monetarily in any way. We really do just want this service to be a gift to you and to your family. And, and so don't feel obligated. All we'd ask is maybe you take that little connection card that was in your visitor packet when you came in. Maybe fill that out for us. Either turn it in in the offering plate in a moment or you can take it out to guest services and there's, they have a gift for you on your way out. But for our members and regular attenders, this is a great opportunity for us to truly just demonstrate and express our gratitude in just kind of baseline ways. And I, I pray that each and every one of us truly would just allow the, just all that God's done for us uh, lead us into this grace also. We'll have a word of prayer. We've got a few announcements and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd bless, Lord, this offering. Thank you, Lord, for giving us, Lord, the grace, Lord, that we need each and every day, Lord, through the good times and the bad. And that in all of it, we can truly declare with our lips that you've been good. Lord, we thank you for how you've blessed us, Lord. For many of us, Lord, which is the mothers you gave us, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray that all of us would regularly just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny, and you're watching Up Next. I want to take a few minutes to let you know what's going on here at Ambassador Baptist Church. If this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. You can pick it up from the Guest Services Center located in the lobby. It's been neat to see how the Lord's been using the Growth Group Bible Studies here at Ambassador Baptist Church to connect people with each other and to the Lord. Let me encourage you to come on out this Thursday at 7 o'clock and jump in one of our Growth Group Bible Studies. If you haven't yet, I promise you'll love it. It'll be a great place where you can be connected as our groups dig deeper into God's Word. So come on out this Thursday at 7 o'clock and join in one of our Growth Group Bible Studies. Join us for a very special Mother's Day service tonight at 6 o'clock. It will be a sweet time of fellowship that you won't want to miss. Our annual Memorial Day picnic will be held in two weeks on Sunday afternoon, May 25th at 1.30 p.m. Join us at Kearney Park in southwest Fresno, Oak Knoll B, for an incredible time of fun and fellowship. Bring some food for you and your family, and we will enjoy a potluck together. Pastor Ermler will end the day with a devotional. Don't miss our Memorial Day picnic Sunday afternoon, May 25th. 
Hi everyone, I'm Brianne, and I want to take a moment to talk to you about child care. We work hard at providing a safe and enjoyable environment for your children. Here's one thing you could do to help us take better care of your child. If you could, please provide us with a cell phone number when you drop off your child. We can then alert you during the service if needed. After the service begins, please keep your phone silent but visible or on vibrate to receive alerts. That's it for today. If you have any questions or if you want more information, you can stop by the Guest Services Center in the lobby. We'd also love for you to connect with us online. If you go to our website, you can find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. You can like our Facebook page or sign up to receive regular text updates on your cell phone. These are great resources we'd love for you to use. I hope you enjoyed your experience here today. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. One more announcement that we'd like to make is we have uh, really every quarter what we call our starting point class. And it's an opportunity for folks who are newer in the church to get their questions answered. Uh, basically, we have a dinner together and I just share my heart and vision as a pastor. And it gets, uh, gives me a chance to get to know some of you a little bit better in kind of a smaller setting. That's going to be next Sunday night at 530. If you want more information, feel free to stop at the guest services for that. But for any of you who are kind of you've been coming to the church in the last maybe three or four weeks or so and you just like more information. This is a great opportunity for you to get involved in. Starting point class here next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, as was mentioned here, uh, we have a gift for all the mothers on your way out. The ushers will have those for you. I hope you'll grab one and we just want to say thank you publicly from the Ambassador Baptist Church for all that you do for the future generations here. And so we love you. Tonight we're going to have a great Mother's Day celebration service. We're going to be giving away a lot of C's candy, some different things like that. We're going to be enjoying a good time. So if you're available and you'd like Feel free to come at 6 o'clock for our special Mother's Day celebration service tonight at 6 o'clock. It'll be a kind of a family night together where I think we'll just enjoy kind of celebrating motherhood. And so those are all the announcements that we have. There's no outreach here this afternoon in light of Mother's Day. And so enjoy your day here together. I hope you'll just uh, enjoy some wonderful family time. But let's stand as we get ready to be dismissed. I'm going to ask if I can. Wesley, if you'd make your way to the platform, close us in a word of prayer and just thank the Lord for the good day that we've had this morning. God, thank you so much for the day you've given us in your house. Thank you for our mothers that we celebrate today. I pray that you'll just give us a great time with our families this afternoon and bring us again back safe tonight. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.